0: How you doing, man? I'm great, man. Excited to jump into today's episode.
1: Good. Well, I'm going to get into it. Today we got Nina Lee. I'm so excited for this episode because I've gotten so many questions about when do I get a publicist? What does success look like uh, when you're pitching? How do you pitch? You know, I think a lot of people don't realize the real role of press in an artist's career. Mm -hmm. And luckily, Nina Lee has been working in press and publicity for the past seven or eight years. From the moment she started interning when she came to New York when she was 17 or 18 to now she works at a company called Shorefire Media. I work with her on Bohana. I work with her on Masego, but she's also worked for Selection, Maxwell. She's been a part of really big, significant campaigns. So really excited to get into this episode because, like I said, a lot of you are wondering when should you take the plunge? When should you hire a publicist? And we get into all of that. We get into all of that in a very real, organic, and digestible
0: way. It's amazing. Really enjoyed it. I think it it, it was a good range of some tactical advice around how to really craft the story around your artist and an upcoming release and how you can go about pitching that to artists, um, all the way to some very high level trends that we're seeing in the industry around the kind of the rise of and the importance of PR and and how that importance has changed Um, with the rise of social media. So I think really valuable, insightful episode. I think you guys are going to get a lot from this episode. So um, let's jump into it. Let's do it. What's up, Nina?
2: What's up, Jordan? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you?
1: How's your day been?
2: Day's been good. It was like kind of
1: gloomy today in New York. Multiple people left early today from the office.
2: It's gloomy. You know, it's a Jewish holiday. You know, (laughs) so like you're at work, but all your Jewish coworkers aren't there. It's yeah. It's like one of the weirder days of the
1: year. Yeah. I went to a mostly Jewish school, so I didn't really have to do anything this weekend, but I was like, I get off school and shit. I was happy as a motherfucker. I was, I was like, y'all, do y'all thing. I'm going to go play Call of Duty. Yeah. So I get that. I get that.
2: <laughs> well, it's interesting because some offices are closed. Oh, yeah. Especially in New York.
1: Yeah, true. Very true. But um, I go to Passover and stuff with my friends, so I can't, you know, I do do stuff yeah. with... Anyway, back onto the music business podcast. <laughs> Sam's looking at me like, How do you feel about Rosh Hashanah? How do I feel no, about I'm Rosh Hashanah? Okay, back to the I was music about business. to say, That's also like a weird question to ask. <laughs> how do I feel about it? Like, damn. Um, yo, so publicity. What was your first job in the music industry, first and foremost? First one.
2: Um, I was an intern, a PR intern at uh EMI and it was before capital music group like eight EMI (laughs) bought it and everyone like moved west coast Mm -hmm. um but yeah freshman year college at NYU that was my first
1: oh you interned freshman year yes oh I didn't until junior because I couldn't get credits for it but you just went in
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a funny story. Like, I didn't know it's what I wanted to do. I met these people in line at a concert and they were like, we're looking for interns. And I was like, I should get an internship, you know, (laughs) like I just moved to New York and I'm in college. I should do that. Um, And then, yeah, kind of they just gave me their card and I had a phone interview and I was like, I want to know what PR is like. Sure.
1: So have you been working in it since you first interned in it?
2: For the most part.
1: Yes. Damn. So it's been a while.
2: It's, yeah, it's been like going on eight years. Um, and, you know, I tried fashion PR. I tried digital marketing, which, you know, now I think digital marketing and publicity is kind of in tandem. Two in one, you can't mm-hmm. do one without the other. Um, but, yeah, it kind
1: of, it was my first internship and I pretty much fell in love. Is there anything else that you like? would ever think about doing, or is it mostly like PR? I
2: moved to New York thinking I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, major I got accepted into college, you know, four was journalism. Thought I wanted to kind of, you know, not like hard-hitting, like, investigative journalism. I did want to do more of, like, the on-camera, like, fluff-type entertainment journalism, you know? But in hindsight you know i'm kind of in the sa- that same like sphere where you're telling people stories and you know that sort of thing but i'm not the journalist doing it i'm the publicist puppeteering it all
1: right right <laughs> that's interesting that you bring up story because i was going to ask about that i think um and obviously this is a lot of what you do is like helping create the story for the artists right so like what drew you to that specifically because that's such a niche thing to do i think the only other the only other person on the team that sort of does that is is the manager so like what specifically was it like I want to I want to get into PR to do this like I want to help be a storyteller
2: um I think it's just like the storytelling part of it all and just being able to take a piece of art and tease it out where you're learning more about the artist behind it and like what was going on in their head like what past experiences they've gone through to kind of generate the piece of art that they've created. It sounds so like, you know, woo-woo almost. No, I like mean it is what it is. Yeah, I've said a lot like, of corny
1: shit on this podcast. Yeah,
2: no, but at the end of the day, like, you know, every, we're so saturated. There's so much music. There's so much art, visual art, you know, TV shows, films. There's so much going on that unless you have this unique vision to it or backstory or some sort of narrative that ties it, that ties it together. It kind of just is like another song or another, this, you know? So I think a lot of it is just really, you know, doing the artist right. And the the creator justice and being able to tell their narrative and what they envisioned with the piece of art that they created. Um, But also it's just, you know, Nowadays, it's, like, you want to be able to push something that has, like, meaning behind it and some sort of, um, like, direction as opposed to this just was created, like, out of thin air just because.
1: Right. Um, I won't ask you, like, if you ever work for artists you don't like, but do you pay attention to the, the story more than the—do you ever pay attention to the story more than the music? So is it, like, the music is, like, you know, it's solid, but the story is what's really captivating me right now. You know
2: Yeah That's a great question First off I love all the artists
1: That I work with Yeah uh-huh. I mean I don't mean <laughs> uh-huh. I don't mean currently yeah, either yeah. You have an eight career yeah. You know what I mean Like um, this could be at, and This could be you As an intern Freshman year You know Yeah I mean She's always loved All of the artists <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm lying>. Yeah <laughs>
2: I mean First and foremost Like I have to dig the music Yeah You know Like I think that's you know, when people say, like, let the music speak for itself, like, as much as as a publicist, you're like, yes, but no, there needs to be, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like, I yes, the music has to be there. It has to, you know, pull some heartstring, string or, you know, I have to listen to be like, yeah, that can be, that's a bop. Like, that can be a hit, whatever. I think a lot of times, though, there's a lot of stuff you listen to and you're like, that's really good. Mm-hmm. But what else? Yeah. Right. So I think, yeah, no, I do need to like the music and, you know, I could totally not dig the music because it's just not my lane or like mm-hmm. my thing, but understand and appreciate the fact that it's still good and there's still an audience for it. It's just not quite something that's like something that I fuck with or something that I right. know I can promote or have the relationships to you know make those connections and 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 get the press and put it out into the world,
1: right, right,
2: so I think the story is just as important, but if you know the standard like base of you know the music and just that groundwork isn't there, then you know then you're just like throwing money away,
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean i have you know i've i used to i used to intern for a few different companies, and um there were times when I would be really captivated by the artist's story or person. And I didn't like the music as much, but I still felt like I could give it my all. So that's where that question came from. It was like, you know, whether it might just be the genre. You know, I don't like this genre of music as much as I like other stuff, but I'm captivated by this story and by this artist. And I see the potential in this music and I'm going to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I more so was just wondering, like, in PR, is there something like that with the story as opposed to just me being captivated by a person, you being captivated by a story, you know?
2: Yeah, I think it, the story—
1: Obviously, it won't be bad music. No, no, well, totally. like, You on no, totally. music. I think the you know story,
2: I mean? but then also, like, with the story and the people who are drawn to you, then also comes with, like, do you have the right team in place? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, like, a lot of times, it can be great music, a great story, but, like, you just haven't put the right things into place, or the stars haven't aligned, and it's just not going to work, you right. know? Like, you need to— You know, have some sort of touring background or have some sort of live presence before you just like full on just release a project and think you're going to, you know, sell tickets when Mm -hmm. you haven't really ever done that in the past. Um, So I think a lot of it is like, you know, there just needs to be like a serendipitous kind of like moment for things to work. But yeah, no, sure. I've worked projects where I'm like, I don't love this music, but. You know, the story's there and you can Mm -hmm. get them this big npr story that'll sell records you know um or like it's not quite the genre for me like i've you know like i've worked with zach brown band and like some really you know people who are selling out like 140,000 tickets in in a in whatever city that they're playing which is like amazing and that's obviously a story in itself and they've built themselves up to be who they are and where they you know and 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 all that but you could totally promote that and not
0: resonate with the music per se. Right, right. So when it comes to like crafting stories, obviously we're diving into the importance of the story and like resonating with stories. I feel like that is very easy to be construed as very lofty advice. So I'd love to get a little more like tactical around like your some stories or examples or how you really approach like crafting a story around an artist. Um, Because I think obviously it's just as much the packaging as it is like the actual story. So can you dive into like an example or uh, kind of the methodology you use, if any, when it comes to like creating the narrative and story around an artist?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's there's different approaches. Like I feel like sometimes there's a record where it's like, you know, someone close in my life passed away and this record inspired that. So like that's really clear cut kind of what your story is. And you Mm -hmm. can talk to someone to kind of tease out that narrative, whatever. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Sometimes it's not, that obvious you know there might be like a bunch of things that's happened in your life or you know you're you're a band you know so there's three of you or four of you and all different things that have happened in all your lives and trying to make it into this cohesive thing sometimes you know you need to talk to like you you know each member of the band has to like talk to the bio writer being like this has happened this has happened and that's how we wrote this and then you can like come to kind of a theme of, you know, the theme is like moving forward or the theme mm. is like letting go of the path, whatever it may be. Um, So it's not always like one single approach to figuring out what your story is. But I think it's always helpful, you know, once kind of the whole record is together to like find the right person that you think can put a bio together for you or someone that, you know covers your genre of music have maybe written bios for artists that are similar to you, that sort of thing. And then like talk through each song off the record, right? This is what inspired this song. This is what inspired another. Like I'm working with this sister trio right now, Joseph. Um, They're signed to ATO. They just played out like a sold out show at Webster hall um, I don't think they knew what the theme of their, you know, <laughs> their album was, you know, I, there was some back and forth of, you know, their, their sisters, twins, and then Natalie, the oldest, and um, they almost broke up. Their first record was super successful, performed on Kimmel and Ellen and kind of did the whole thing. And then coming back around, like, you know, they were just recording music. They're in the studio, working with the producer, you know, churning out songs. And at the end, I don't think, like, they came into it being like, okay, this is what our album's about. Mm. But they, like, talked with the media trainer. They talked with the bio writer. And after, like, teasing through kind of the meaning behind all the songs, they were like, oh, my God, there's a lot of, like, car references. There's a lot of, like, you know, just, like, buck up, kid. Like, you know, you're a grown-up now. Like, get out into the world and just, like, do you— There were a lot of, like, underlying messages in that kind of realm. and. That's how their story came together. It wasn't like, okay, all these songs are about, you know, this, a heartbreak or this, you know, whatever it may be. It kind of just were all three girls, different experiences that kind of, you know, ended up being this cohesive thing. And the album's called Good Luck, Kid. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, there's a song called Fighter on there. There's Everything just somehow then, Mm -hmm. like, just kind of weaved into one kind of storyline and it wasn't even intentional.
0: Mm -hmm. So So when it comes to like building that into something and presenting it in a way that you find that actual like different media outlets are most receptive, can you talk to like what you think stands out from their perspective? Because I'm sure you've crafted hundreds if not thousands of stories, some of which have been easily picked up, others that were like very hard to get picked up. But just looking back through your own experience, are there like certain trends or themes across the stories that you find publications to be the most interested in?
1: Good-ass question.
2: That's a great (laughs) question. I mean, I have to say it's an art, not a science. Mm -hmm. Very Mm -hmm. much so. I think sometimes, you know, like you want to be as personable and relatable as possible because at the end of the day, all these editors who are opening up your emails are also human. Right. So they want to have that thing that they're going to relate to, or that one experience that, you know, you're writing about that they've also had. Um, you know, and I think also like a lot of times we want to just list off accolades, right? Like, this many streams on Spotify, this many followers on Instagram. And like, Mm -hmm. you want to list off these numerical accolades that are really great and like totally, you know, will get you that brand sponsorship Mm -hmm. or, you know, all that stuff. But like, that's not telling your story really. And that's not what's going to like, you know, if you're a writer and you're really trying to like grasp at something to write about, like that's not interesting to Mm -hmm. you, Mm -hmm. you know? You want to hear about like, The like aha moment you had while you were on the train and like there was a performer in front of you and that's what inspired you to do something. Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to have those like weird eclectic moments that can really like grab someone's attention as opposed to just like listing off like numerical facts. Like I think that's like one thing that. Um, it helps in a lot of instances. Like I'm sure publications are thrilled when they're like, Oh, you know, yeah, we'll post on socials if you do something on us. And (laughs) like, and this person has like a half million on social. So they're like, great, we'll do it because of that. Right. But it's so much more like honestly fulfilling. And you're like, wow, like this story is being told, you know, when it's something that's not based on just Instagram followers or just like numbers or streams, you know,
0: totally, totally.
2: Um,
1: I don't know. Did I
0: answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it… Yeah. Hang on. It. Have you… Have there have been things that you've noticed, Jordan? Having also worked with a bunch of different artists… As far as like things that jump out as uh, good hooks?
1: Uh, to me, it's just the more genuine art you are. Um, I think with a lot of people I work with… They usually get good press because the outlets sort of know who they are already to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like the picture is clear enough yeah. where the the outlet feels like they're contributing to it in a meaningful way… Um, so in my—at least in my experience, it's less of, like, um, taking off the veil and more so, like, just accenting the, sto- the story that they're already telling. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and I think a lot of times, like, people don't realize it's a slow burn. Yeah. You know? These people that you're seeing in the media everywhere and getting all this press, like, they've been doing this shit for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Like, even, like, Masego. Like, yeah. you know, we work with Masego and— Just in terms of press, like, you know, I don't think he's really, he hasn't, he hadn't had like a full on publicist publicist like on board until we started working the campaign for his debut album like a year and a half ago. Yeah, Before that, he's gotten a lot of organic stuff and he's built his fan base. He's built his touring, you know, his touring base and just people across the country and his live show and all that stuff. but it's once all the pieces were kind of already in place that we could just really take off and like have those real conversations with publications Mm -hmm. to like do these in-depth pieces, Uh you know? Um, And I feel like that's like the one thing a lot of new artists think you can just hire a public, you know, you have the money, you can pay the retainer to have a publicist on board and you're just going to like get press. But it's not like that, you know? It's like save your money and build yourself, you know, a strong foundation of all the other things. And then and then hire a publicist when like you can present, you know, what you've done, what you've built, your story, you know, you think you could just hire someone and be like, So when do, when
0: when do you think that actual like timing is in an artist's career when they should start entertaining, working with professional publicists?
2: I think definitely having a manager. I know that sounds like so like plain terms, but there's a lot of times who artists are managing themselves or think they can do it all on their own. And I'm sure those exist
0: Mm -hmm. totally.
2: But having a manager on board who is organized and, you know, also can help steer you in the right way. um, You know, maybe also having like an agent on board. So, you know, that there's some, sort. especially nowadays, like the live show is, just as important as anything else that you're doing in mm-hmm. the, you know, in the campaign. So, you know, I think having a team on board, I don't think like having a label or anything like that is as important as it was, you know, however long ago right. when mm-hmm. we didn't have like the digital services and, um, companies like AWOL and the Orchard and, you know, that sort of stuff. But, you know, I, one thing is always like having a team in place, you know,
0: right. for sure.
2: Yeah. It sounds really simple, but it's like. You have a manager that knows what he's doing, helping you in the right direction. You have an agent booking you shows, even if it is whatever, 100, 200 cap, cap rooms that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Like if you have that, then then maybe, oh, and then a timeline. So like some set of releases... Or a tentative rollout of something. So, like, not just bringing someone on because <laughs> I just wanna, you know, dropping I think one I'm gonna, record. yeah, or like, yeah. I'm dropping a single and then there's gonna be an album like in the spring. Right. Where you don't know, you know, and then you're just kind of wasting your own resources when you don't know when the next thing's coming out or, mm-hmm. you know, how the momentum's gonna build.
0: Totally.
1: Yeah. I think also, at least from what I've seen, um in my short tenure working in PR. <laughs> um if the story doesn't connect fully, then the publicist loses a lot of their value. And that's really on the artist to go to the publicist at the right time in their career. You know? Like, yeah, Sam, you could start a rap career tomorrow and she could get you on complex. But how many of those people are gonna stick if you don't have everything else in place already? Mm-hmm. It, like if like she's saying it there's no foundation, you know. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of people, that's like one of the major questions I get from literally listeners of this podcast. It's like, well, do you think I should hire PR? And I'm like, most of the time, I'm like, no, I don't think you should hire PR. And I know that's like a you were, you were, you were really asking me which publishers should you choose. And I just straight up told you you just shouldn't have a publicist right now. Yeah. You know, because you have to, you have to build a little bit before that happens, mm-hmm. you know. And I've seen so many scams. I've seen people come to me like, oh, I can pay this publicist 2K. And I'm like, send me the publicist website. It's like, they're not really doing anything. They're just taking literally every single person that comes to them that has a checkbook. Do you really want this person? Like, how well do they know the music? You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things you have to ask before you hire anybody on your team, but especially somebody who's going to help you amplify your voice, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: So when it comes to that, I mean, to dive deeper for the people that are listening that are trying to do due diligence on publicists to work with from your perspective as being on the other side of that equation, like what do you think are um, the key factors to look for when looking to kind of bring a publicist onto your team?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like we kind of just touched upon that, like making sure that the music's good. First of all,
0: from <laughs> that, that perspective. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> you mean like why we should bring,
0: I'm saying uh, what do you think an artist should evaluate Oh, in a publicist. A, exactly.
2: Yeah, I mean, you want to, listen, first off, our jobs are all about relationships, right? So a lot of times I'm getting recommended to projects because of the work that I've already done on past projects. So, I mean, it's knowing, like, who your publicist, who the publicist you're trying to hire has worked with in the past. Um, and I guess what the company can offer, like, Shorefire, for instance, you know, we really pride ourselves in like our writing. Like I think writing is super important. Being able to tell the narrative how you're crafting your press releases. You know, mm-hmm. we're not just like sending like, oh, terribly described one sentence blurb and just like blasting it out to all these people. Like we really take pride in the writing that we do. What the company, you know, as a whole can offer in just in terms of like their reputation. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot, there's a lot of, you know, indie publicists out there that are super great. and will, you know, deliver. But it's like, when you're a one-man show, it makes it really hard to do all the album review pitching, all Mm -hmm. the tour press. If, like, your artist is on, like, a 40-date headlining tour and there's literally a date every other day (laughs) and you have to reach out to the daily paper, the weekly paper, any blogs in that market that are going to review the Mm -hmm. show, like, you know, you're probably getting your money's worth if you're just paying, you know, you're paying just, like, a... Indie publicist that's like not with the firm and just like working for themselves. Right. Not to say that like they don't, they don't come from a place that like have built their relationships and probably do have relationships with bigger blogs and publications or whatnot, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, um, and also like maybe if you're kind of more just really breaking out into the scene and you don't have that many tour dates and you are, you know, kind of just trying to put a few singles out there, see what kind of buzz that generates, like then it probably makes sense for you to go with someone like a little bit cheaper and who that's Mm -hmm. what they do, where they just service out a single Mm -hmm. try and get as much news pickup, you know, hype machine isn't so much a thing anymore, but like, you know, just that sort of pitching where you're just trying to get a bunch of blogs to pick it up, SoundCloud buzz, you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, if you're kind of, past that phase and you have a big tour and, like, maybe you want to be pitched for, you know, or be put in front of late-night TV bookers. That's, like, you know, a whole other level and there's several people that needs to be coming in from, like, all ends of the campaign having those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, you know, it depends. But I also think, like, you need to, you know, have some sort of, like, personable relationship with your publicists. you mm-hmm. know? Like, you need to be able to, like, talk to them about things that you're not comfortable talking about.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, there's a lot of times where there are just sore subjects or things that you've, you know, that maybe were misconstrued in a past interview that you've done that you're going to have to be honest with your publicists about to have those conversations with, you know, writers and editors in the future if you're going to set stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like, it's all, it's all relationships. I mean, management agency, like, you know, digital marketing, like it's kind of, it's all the relationships that, you know, you've had and nurtured and want to work off of. But I think when a, an artist is looking or, you know, deciding between different publicists, like a lot of things are going to, you know, be clear on paper, but a lot of it's also going to be like that vibe that you have with that person, you know? Just like when you're hiring a manager or deciding on a man, like, you know, you just have to like you have to click in a certain way and you have to like have that understanding with one another.
1: I've actually seen a lot of uh publicists become managers for that reason. Because they get so close to their artists. It's like, yo, let's just do the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> let's just, let me just be involved in the whole thing. Yeah. Me and you are homies already. Like, let's just let's just go into it. For sure.
2: I will say though, like the one thing that I do love about PR is that there is the manager there <laughs> to act as that buffer. Yeah. You know, yeah. like there are times where I've had an artist bitching at me about doing this one interview, but then it's, you know, I laid out being like, this is why we should do it. And having the manager relay that along and change the artist's mind, you know, as, I'd be happy to have the conversation directly with the artist, but you know, it is nice having someone who can act as the the mediating role in, yeah, in it. Yeah, for sure.
1: All. I've actually heard that multiple times from multiple different parts of the industry to yeah. me. agency, I mean, Even, agency. even, yeah. se- even
0: <laughs> senior managers are like, I need a day-to-day. Right. So I ain't got to deal with this goddamn artist <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but it's funny, even like last week I was with an
2: agent who was like, yeah, like I'm trying to deal with my artists less. I mean, he's like a big shot agent who reps, you know, and he was just, I need to just go through the manager. You mm-hmm. know, the artists want to come yapping and bitching or and whatnot. And all fair points, like I'm not, you know, it could be totally legitimate reasons why they're bitching. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's why you're a manager. Yeah. You manage. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, clean their face, wipe their butts, <laughs> do all that,
0: yeah, all that fun stuff. Jordan, tell us about <laughs> you wiping <laughs> JPEG <face>. Mafia's butt.
1: <laughs> 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 no, none of that. None of yeah, that. Uh-huh. Just two different perspectives. You <laughs> know, one thing I like about being a manager is is um the exact opposite of what you just said. I like I like being directly in communication with the artist all the time. Yeah, you know, like, and
2: I respect that yeah. so much. And, like, I'm almost jealous of the fact that that, you know, like, I think that's so commendable and so great. Mm. But I think, yeah. You got to be a
1: certain type of person, though. Totally. You got to be a certain type of person.
2: Yeah. Thick skin. I also think, you know, in everything that we do, and this is going to sound so fucking jaded, but, like, we're hired to be fired, man.
1: You're not the first person that has said that on this podcast. (laughs) shit. Literally, Literally, someone said that, like, three episodes ago, so... Yeah.
2: But, you know, with that being said, I do think um, there's a reason why, like, we're selective about who we decide to take on to do Mm -hmm. PR for and similar. You know, you're not just going to take on anyone to manage them. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have that level of, like, faith in just the artwork that they're putting out into the world, like, it's worth it.
1: Yeah. I mean, as a manager, you have to. Yeah. Like, there's no artist that… I work for that I would not put my entire name on the line for, mm-hmm. and that I have to because I'm putting so much of my life into their work. Yeah, you know what I your mean?
2: life, your relationships, your reputation, like yeah. all of it, and it when has I, to be worth it. When
1: I was in PR, though, I definitely did work for a couple people where it was like, I, I'll put together, I'll pitch them, like, okay, you know what I mean. But, but that's I was so I wasn't, interesting that you yeah, say that because that's
2: so true.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I do it, you know, I do it. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I say this a lot. People ask me to manage them a lot, and then they're, they're not realizing that I'm, I'm putting I'm putting a part of my I'm taking they're taking a part of my life fully as a manager. Yeah,
2: you know? I mean, it's also interesting because like it's not like publicists work off a percentage off of what the artist is making. That's also the difference, yeah. right?
1: You know, it's high risk, high yeah. reward, yeah, all of it, exactly. You know? So exactly, you never you never thought about creeping into management. Somebody, none of your clients, and you don't have to say who. If there, anybody, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. Nobody's ever been like, yo, Nina, let's just, let's just do the whole thing. Let's just be my manager. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. I think that I've had, I've been in situations where they wanted to like bring me on to help manage. Mm -hmm. And I think that more so just means like, I fuck with your creative vision or like I fuck with like just your two cents on things and just like want a second eye on like certain things that they're, you know, considering or whatnot. But it's not something that's been like fully you know, brought to my, like, you know, in front of me being like, can you manage me? Like, are you down? I also do think if I put it out into like the world that, you know, if there was someone that I really, you know, that I was doing PR for and it was going really well and things didn't work out with their manager, but I was like, no, this person, like I wouldn't be completely opposed to it, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, it's just not something. Yeah. It's just not something I've like, really considered and like I love the role that I have in my artist lives and in the campaigns that I um, that I run so I mean never say never
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
2: I'm coming for you, Jordan.
0: <laughs> okay. I want to take your clients. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> for a lot of the artists and managers and people that listen to the podcast, I think some of them are in an early stage in their career where the thought of hiring professional publicists is a little too premature. So, with that said, what do you think are um, how can early stage artists and artist teams go about securing their own press without having to work with professional publicists? Any tips there? That's a great question. Thanks. Um, That's what I do.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean. it's not what I do. Okay.
0: Jordan's funny. I I ask really hard questions. (laughs) Well, first and foremost, figure
2: out who your audience is, right? Figure out who your audience is and also just learn that media is not the same anymore. You know, like editorial and sales, I feel like used to be some, you know, in branding and whatnot used to be. Two completely separate terrains; they never really cross paths. But now it's like you can't really do one without the other, like branded editorial stuff, and you know it's all kind of in the same vein. Um, so, figuring out who your audiences and making sure you're reaching out to the right people with the right pitch—you
1: know, cold pitches—are they are they even successful now? Like, if a manager's really putting in the work, like emailing, you know, fader, pitchfork, whoever. It can
2: be, man. Like, I mean, I think I've kept saying, like, it's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. But the relationships start from somewhere, right? So mm-hmm. even if you're reaching out to some editor being like, hey, I think, like, you'll fuck with this. Like, can we grab coffee? Like, mm. the industry's still not so jaded where they're not going to just, they're not open to just meeting new people and just, and doing those meetings. Even I, like who've been doing this for a while, like I still have to send cold pitches out. Like there's still people that mm-hmm. I don't have that close of a relationship or, you know, they may know my name from past artists that I've worked with or press releases that I've sent. But there's still some times where I'm like, no, that writer's the right person for this piece. I don't have a relationship with him, but I need to or her, like I need to reach out to that person yeah, because
1: I know they'll fuck with it. So do you, so how do you, how do you figure that out? Are you checking out literally what they write on on websites? Oh yeah, or it's like
2: what they've written in the past. I mean, journalists are the most active on Twitter. Oh, nice. You know, Follow like a lot I think of writers on Twitter. Yeah, if you just check out what nice. they're tweeting about, you know, sense. what they're reading, what movies they're watching. You know, I, I think social media now is super helpful in terms of stalking writers and producers, and you know, like we've had instances where, um, like, I work with Bruno Major, and like he you know like within the last few years have has really you know built his touring presence up like his streaming numbers are great but you know it's not like he would have been a shoe in for late night tv you mm. know but one of the main bookers of corden um was just a huge fan and i think like i saw that she followed him on instagram and just invited her out to a show. Like, I had never met her before. But I was like, hey, I work with Bruno Major. Noticed you're a fan. Here's a pair of tickets. Like, wow. enjoy. Nice. Um, And then that night, like, she met the manager, met Bruno. You know, and then, like, eight months later, like, she was like, we just had something open up. And, like, he happened to be in L.A. And this was, like, eight months after—six ap- months after his album came out. Mm-hmm. So, it's like— Sometimes, you know, if you just do your research, like you can be a manager and not have any PR experience. But if you notice that this one writer is covering all the neo-soul, jazz, you know, whatever genre of music, Mm -hmm. you should reach out. Like if you think what they're listening to and what they're covering and like raving about is in the same vein as like kind of what your artist is doing, like, Mm -hmm. I think put it out there. And also like note the fact that I'm reaching out to you because I saw that you liked this right, thing. Right,
0: make it super personal and relevant. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm not just like homework.
2: blasting the same email to someone who also covers heavy metal and who also covers, right. you know, like twang country music. Like totally. it's, I think if, you know, with the cold pitching, like we, it's just, we have to do it every once in a while. And yeah. especially if you don't have the resources to hire a publicist, I think really it's just
1: being smart about who you're reaching out to. Right. Um I used to um, be my own publicist, but it was I had like a fake name. <laughs> I used to pitch. I used to pitch with this with this fake name. Fake name, fake and it Gmail. Worked. Sometimes when, it worked when sometimes when you were your own rapper. Yeah, a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I used my roommate's name. What was your rapper's name? My rapper's name? Yeah, it was my name. Oh, so what was your publicist's name? It's my roommate's name. <laughs> he, I was like, "Can I use your name?" He was like, "Yeah, go ahead." And one time he had to Where take a call. Where can our listeners
0: find uh, archives he, of Jordan Williams' rap music? I was, on, Williams, um, I was music. on
1: Fresh New Tracks once, and I did it through my roommate's name. And then they wanted to have a call. And I was like, fuck. I was, I was like, all right. I gave him the talking <laughs> points. <laughs>
0: Hello, no, this is no, Jordan Williams. I, gave, I, I asked
1: him. I was like, "No, I, I know I told you I was only going to use your name, but now I need you to like be on this call. So I gave him the talking points on a piece of paper. And then and then he just... he. Acted like he was. I, I I was the one responding to the emails. Yeah. So then I just told him the context of the situation. He did it himself. Yeah,
0: yeah. So if, before we go dive too deep anywhere else, I think this might have been one of the first times that. You've exposed to our audience that they used to produce and release music Rap for us now. Yeah, e- either that <laughs> or just, just right tell now. our listeners where they can find uh, your old music no, on I YouTube. I scrubbed the internet. That's not true. Yeah, There's one did. link that's floating no, around. I scrubbed I've heard, the internet. I've, I've heard I about scrubbed this. No. I don't know what you're talking about. I scrubbed it. I don't all right, know. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to dig it up because I know it exists and I'm going to find a way to get it out to you guys. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah.
1: It doesn't exist.
0: But um I'm, I'm not ashamed of my old career.
1: Because it did help me um, in my current career, of course. So you know, that's all I'm gonna say on that. (laughs) I'm gonna leave it at that. We ain't gonna talk about no details, nothing. That's it. That's it.
0: (laughs) Um, So, how do you define success in PR? I mean, is it just press hits, or I mean, is it the amount of kind of social? impact and the amount of shares the story gets i mean it, it's, is it's look, such an ambiguous thing i mean some of right. it too it's like sure a story could be on this very notable notable publication but might not get tons of momentum across socials but even then the credibility is can be so valuable so i i realize that there's no like one size fits all mechanism for like evaluating success here but what are the ways in which you think about successful campaigns
2: Yeah, it's funny because you kind of answered my question by saying, because, you know, I feel like, (laughs) no, I mean, a lot of times, like you can be selling out arenas, like killing it, and you're just not a press darling. Like Mm -hmm. press just, they're just not going to cover you. They don't care to review your shows, all that sort of stuff. I think if throughout the campaign, you got those handful of tent poles that you feel like really accurately described what you were doing, and, you know, with a credible publication, like, I think that's a win. I also think it's like, can you use the press that you've gotten or some of the looks that you've gotten to help push forth some other stuff? Like, I know agents, you know, every so often, like, I'll you know, I send pretty regular press reports to my clients and agents find it like so super helpful, mm-hmm. right? They're like, oh my God, like, great, this Vader feature or this, even if it's like a local publication, but it's, you know, a, a bigger, it, one of the daily papers of like mm-hmm. a bigger metropolitan city, like that shit's going to help push forward more things than like you can imagine, you know? But a lot of times like you'll get like this really gorgeous, you know, feature with flaunt or, you know, ID that like, you'll see no traction from, but you can get really nice pull quotes from it. And like, if you did a photo shoot, you, you know, you got some really nice right. photos from it, mm-hmm. but you know, what are going to move units? What are wins? Like flagship NPR stories will move units. You know, <laughs> like if you get like a morning edition or a weekend edition with NPR or like a fresh air, um, you'll see units move, you know, late, <laughs> late night TV. Sure. You'll see units move, but not so much as it even used to, you mm-hmm. know? Like it's more just like, oh, like you got to perform on like right. the Tonight Show. Like that's right, fucking right. cool. For sure. Um, like we just had an artist on CBS Saturday. Like you'll see units move, you know, you'll mm-hmm. see all the Twitter mentions, you'll see their, you know, album chart up on the Amazon charts a little bit more. The but Amazon I think charts. yeah. But I think like, you know, what press hit can we get that's gonna like you're going to see those units move. There's not really a ton of that at the, you know, it's, it's more just like the trifecta of like this really great piece ran that then helped sell tickets that then helped get someone, you know, at the show to do whatever. I think it's more just like building the momentum and having like the right thing, follow the other. Totally. um, Yeah. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to like look back on like a few campaigns that have gone like really well. And I think it's also just figuring out early on in the campaign, like what the artist wants, you know, Mm -hmm. like I put together, it's like kind of cheesy, but like I put together a pretty simple questionnaire for some artists on like, what's your workout routine? Like what's your, you know, what are your favorite restaurants in new york or in la and just things like that that are pretty personal and getting press from that where they can talk about sure like your music and all that but also things that are like close to home and personal to them and i I find a lot of times like those are the pieces that the artists like love the best Mm -hmm. and like those are the things that like they're sharing with their family and like that's what you know aunt jane who lives in kansas city like heard that one podcast that you did and like that was so cool i think we're jaded to be like we want pitchfork and we want fader and we want billboard and we you know there's like five music publications that like everyone wants to be covered on and like sure you know like that's part of the goal like of course we're out to those editors and having Mm -hmm. those conversations but it's like what can we do that's like left of center and not just focusing on those like six music publications that are constantly you know being talked about and like we know about you know cause Mm. the industry's small and like it's everyone thinks you know we're all talking about those publications so we think that that's the be all end all but really like There's so much more than that in Mm -hmm. media, you know, and there's so many other ways to get the story out about your music than just those core publications. I'm not saying they're not important. They're super important. Um, so I think like, you know, a successful campaign is the multifaceted one, Mm -hmm. you know, touches Mm -hmm. upon the music, the lifestyle, you know, great tour press. Like I think just like making sure all the, all the boxes are checked.
0: Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Super valuable. Jordan, from your side of that equation is somebody that like works with a lot of publicists and works with pub, like works with Nina. <laughs> but how, 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 do you, how do you define uh, success?:, And um, even beyond that too, like what's different? Is there anything different in your definition as to how you try and measure and evaluate success other than what you just said?
1: Um, to like zoom out a little bit, I think you can tell when the publicist doesn't know the story and when they don't know the music. And I think that's reflected in by the targets they send you, what they can actually get placed, to which writers which writers are writing about the music, and I've and you and and you can just tell when the publicist is, is disconnected, and sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes it's just they don't they don't know the music that well, and it's like, hey, you've, for what you've done, we appreciate it, but we have to move to someone else who mm-hmm. who feels like who we feel like can tell this story more accurately. So I think I'm the, I'm the most satisfied when the artist. Is satisfied, mm-hmm. so um, when the artist sees their story accurately reflected in reviews in interviews, that sort of thing that is like the bottom line necessity for me um, because all we 're trying to do is tell the artist' story at the end of the day, and if you can somehow do it where you are not only just introducing the artist to a bigger audience, but also validating the story that they're trying to tell. I think that's like when everything comes together at the right time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, when it's less of like, let's just get this on as many places as possible, which could be depending on the artist and where they are in their career, what, what they want, but, mm-hmm. but more like, who's going to tell this story in a way that does the artist justice and that can actually... Uh, be beneficial not just to new listeners but to, to people who are already listening to people who can get deeper into the story right. you know yeah totally it, it's a feeling it's a feeling to me i can feel it when press seems genuine to the artist you know mm-hmm. so it feels good it feels like pure and genuine you know yeah
0: for sure so yeah
1: um <clears throat> wow are you a publicist
0: <laughs> yeah i think from my perspective it's interesting too and i think you brought up a great point you know around how it really is meaningless without the foundation of these other elements because i think press and i think even we had matt medved on a while back who's uh he was the f- kind of founder of billboard dance I know which, yeah and he's the he's a post for the, <laughs> listener, for, the, for, the for, <laughs> yeah. for the listeners for the listeners that don't know who matt is yeah founder of billboard <laughs> billboard dance and now the editor-in-chief at spin i think he um made a great point that it really helps kind of sculpt the narrative of who the artist is rather than helping create the fan base per se. So you can, right. you can have momentum around building fans. And then I think the, um, the, the press hits, especially from these more notable outlets are really going to be the people that are like carving out the story around these artists. So I think that is a really interesting perspective. So I think as somebody that like lives in digital marketing, it's like, a press hit. I mean, sure, for your point, there's like certain tentpole press hits of major outlets that can likely move the needle. But nine times out of ten, like one press hit isn't necessarily like changing an artist's career. And I think it has to happen in tandem with the foundation of like truly building that fan base. And that's... Well, what- yeah. No, you go ahead. Well, and go. then
2: also just using the cosine from that certain totally. press hit to then, you know, help put forth the conversation with someone that maybe... May have not have opened your email. They didn't see that yeah. this, mm-hmm. you were quoted from for sure. this publication I like or that.
0: not. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and just like cosigns in general. Like for artists yeah. listening, like anytime you post a picture with another artist, or we had a guy Jesse Kirschbaum who does tons of like brand placements, and he also he kind of made this great analysis or like metaphor that um, you get the same level of credibility and cosign from like a good brand deal as you would from a great press hit. So I think just finding all these different ways to like build credibility for your artist through affiliation with other more credible organizations is massive. That's one of my favorite things just as a music consumer.
1: Like I follow the artists on Instagram, I see what they're posting, I listen to the music, but you don't really know the artist until you see that long-form piece. And then you're like, "Oh shit, now I feel like I have the whole story," you know? To me, that's what that's like one of the most exciting things. Like mm-hmm. when I'm listening to artists, I can name a few right now. It's like I, I follow them on Instagram, I listen to their music, but like I'm still waiting for that one long form piece or maybe two or three that'll really make it feel like I know them.
0: You mm-hmm. know? Totally. So, how
1: do how do you um as a digital marketer interact with press? How does that How does that interact with the strategy that that you create for the artist?
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's. Not necessarily something we lean into directly, but I think it, it's definitely something we like collaborate with. Well, I think very early on in the episode, you mentioned that it, it is part of like an integrated strategy. I'd say that um, we focus a lot more on building a social following than we do on actually like getting press, because I think that's—I mean, not getting press, but does the press complement the strategy that you for have sure. for the artist? And- like she just mentioned too, yeah. like you can kind of take that press and like post it across your socials, right, and everybody's right. like, "Oh, I mean, shit, we, you like- just hit me earlier today about." Helping you misimpress. Yeah. 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 Just
2: like making sure, you know, whoever wrote this piece, like you're tagging them or like, you know, and like, like I said, relationships, right? So if someone fucked with your shit and wrote about it and is Mm -hmm. like into it, like make sure that the next EP, like three before it even, you know, is finished, like you're sending it to this person being like, you like the stuff that I put out before, and were supportive. Like, yeah. I want to give you the courtesy of like listening to this before it's even out into the world because, like, I appreciate it. I appreciate right. you know for so, sure.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think this also just lends into another thing I want to kind of bring up with you guys, which is kind of high level shift that's happening in the industry because I do think whereas if you look like ten to fifteen years ago in like a pre social media age, like press was one of the biggest and most critical mechanisms of actually reaching mass audiences. I don't even
1: think it was 12, 15 years ago. I was, like, in 2011, I was on blogs every day. That was the the only way I could could find a music. Blogs were, like,
0: the final frontier before, I think, artists truly had, like, the direct connection with their fans. So I think... um, I think if you look over the past like 10 to 15 years, I think you've seen a, a much bigger or like five years, a much bigger rise in the importance of like social audience and having that direct connection. So that way you can just reach your fans directly without having any intermediary intermediary. I don't think that by any means it's like completely disintermediate the value of press. But I think um like, whereas it didn't exist, like social media didn't exist at all and wasn't an important factor of a strategy is now like critical. And I think, um, if you have press and no social following, like it, it'll fall flat. But so, how do you guys think about the looking at this from like a ve- more macro level over the past like five, ten years, and then looking into the future, like the importance of press? Like, where do you guys put mm. that into the the oh. bigger picture of planning, like a strategy for an artist? Yeah.
1: go first. <laughs> it's
2: funny. I was talking about this with a friend of mine recently. I think as long as fame exists, fame or you know prestige or whatever, press will always be. Yeah very important because mm-hmm. sure you know whatever 2010 2008 whatever Prints, digital all that very important now press can be an Instagram post from someone else's page like mm-hmm. that's still press like that's mm. still you shaping your person you know like some sort someone's outlook on things, with something else, right? Like, I think it will always be important as long as this level or this idea of fame and popular X, popular music popular that exists, like, press will always be a super important important part of all that. I mean, I will say, like, even just when I started eight years ago, like, it was like, okay, four-month album campaign because print issues close you know two and a half months out and to make it into you know the september issue of cosmo you need to make sure that you get the editor the music by the end of july it's not really like that anymore (laughs) right like great it's awesome getting something in print and whatever but like you're gonna get the clicks and you're gonna get more traction from it from the link the digital Mm -hmm. post to it anyways so that's definitely shifted But in terms of, like, the whole bigger picture umbrella of, like, press and media and, you know, that, it's always going to be a thing, in my opinion.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, the medium of it will continue to change. I mean, who knows, 30 years from now, like, will computers still be a thing? Will it just be, like, (laughs) holographic? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the medium will change, but the idea of, like press and, like, public relations, mm-hmm. um, it's just, yeah, it'll always
0: be a thing. For sure. I totally I agree. I think the it's interesting, too, just part of your point as to, like, the medium will change. I mean, I think to some extent, like, even today, like, influencers, and I think now we're getting into... Like the semantic boundaries of how you define press, but to some extent, like influencers influencer media, like if somebody has like a paid media budget, are evaluating like how they can leverage relationships with influencers and to an extent, that really is just like a modern form of press right it 's essentially an entity or an individual that has tons of influence amongst a core demographic, and you 're trying to find ways to equip them with a story that will resonate with their audience so I think the, it'll be interesting to see how the mediums continue to change. And then I think that's even given birth to this like this new wave of like digital press and like colors. The I mean, the incredible YouTube channel um that has that showcases different artists. I mean, five, ten years ago, I mean now you're seeing that model replicated, Tiny Desks by NPR. You mentioned NPR and like yeah. sure. It's like there's all these like digital long form content series that are emerging. Five, ten years ago when it was sure you were fighting for like TV spots, now you're fighting for these like self-independent YouTube show spots on colors, yeah. stuff like that. So I think it'll be really fascinating to see how it continues to change. I think it's getting like very democratized. And I think even as like entrepreneurs that are listening to this show, you, you also see like record labels, like um lyrical or not, like 88 Rising, that have started by building their own media platform or YouTube channel that's th- that, that thrives around creating their own content, creating community, and then as a result, they're able to launch and kind of catapult their own artists. I think like No Jumper started as another podcast, which then became a form of media. Um, it was signing like JV record label deals and signing singles with major labels and releasing songs. So I think it's... Um, like,
1: I w- I will say this. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting business model. Yeah, um, I'm also wondering what type of listeners you get from that. Because like if it's
2: only just the people who are listening to that label's roster, right? Like I don't know, like
1: like what type of what type of fans do you get from that type of promotion? You what do you know mean? What, I mean? Okay. what do you define that type, please? um i mean that's what i think that's what i'm that's the thing that's what i'm wondering like you know when you get radio listeners you kind of get you know people are coming home from school people I think are it's, going it's, to work. it's very
0: subjective based on the specific audience and community that the like x media platform has built i think if like no jumper you're gonna get all the all the soundcloud rap fans which i think could be great as far as breaking like that wave of like rappers right. if that's, you will so i think like, it's like niche audiences then yeah but i mean i think it's I mean, there, there'd be some broader ones. I mean, like, look at, like, a Colors. Like, um, Colors brings on a very diverse array of artists from, like, r- rappers to singers to vocalists. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, it, it gen- it's this generally more, like, progressive, open-minded sound and yeah. a group of listeners. So I think it's just going tandem in the same way that, like... Uh, Certain media companies would skew towards a certain demographic. I think it's the same yeah. way as this like new wave of digital media would would thrive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there
1: could be like a huge opportunity. You know, I'm just wondering. I haven't thought about it into depth much. So, you know, if I if I find something on uh, 88 Rising's YouTube page, for example, like how how likely am I to buy a ticket to a show? I mean, because, like, 88 I mean?
0: Rising is like completely. It is honestly from my perspective paved the ground for a whole new model to thrive 88 rising is at the point where they're kind of selling out major venues with their own roster of artists I yeah think well it, there you it, go it that's the confi- answer yeah that's the answer I mean, it know? is confined to like the sound that they've created but i think they were intentional in building a sound and building a brand that resonates with a kind of target demographic i'm sure like they'll pro- there's probably a phase that they're Kind of going towards as far as going from there like the early adapters to the early majority of people that aren't just like the initial core fan group but this broader more like pop audience but I think um like I don't even think I think you should always start with like the early adapters but i I think we'll only see more and more different emerging labels and management companies start to strategically leverage owned media properties right
2: yeah all that's really interesting to me because I feel like if you're just Creating a media platform that's only leveraging the artist that is in your label or management company, then, like, you can find, yeah, right, yeah, okay. So, we're thinking outside of that.
0: I mean, even think 88 Rising, yeah, sure, it's like 88 Rising does series that showcases other artists off their roster. Yeah. They're just very like proactive in creating a lot of content for their target audience, for their target community. Yeah, I think I like, think um, it does get overly promotional yes, if it's yes. only plugging well, your Well, I own work artists.
2: with Selection and yeah. like, I mean, that's similar, you know, there's Selection Radio and there's yeah. only like, you know, a handful of DJs that are like Selection DJs, sure, yeah. but like- everyone from Masego to Mac Ayers to Snow Allegra, they're all a part of like this network. Wave, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. I think when like labels and like, you know, like Def Jam or whoever trying to create like an editorial team just based yeah. on their roster of artists. That's just whack. It's, well, it's just, <laughs> intre- I'm just, it's being done or it's trying to be done. Like, I don't really yes. know. Um, people
1: people, people do that though Like TDE is a label That does that And they do it well Like when you Like people on TDE They push TDE artists All the time Kendrick Lamar's uh, Like his cosigns Usually are for like Sir Or well, like yes. Schoolboy Q Well no I think That's you know one thing mean? But I
2: think having like If it was like a blog That was like TDE.com slash blog And it was just like Features on all their artists Like what's <laughs> yeah. the Like it's more yeah, like true, true So I mean the cosign thing Between label You know like yeah Like SZA and Kendrick and Sir and you know and J-Rock, like they're all TDE and they all very much support what they do and co-sign all the shit that you know, and there right. are features on this, on that. But having a publication that's just within
1: a management, I don't know. I don't know. Let's try it with EQT. Yeah, I'm I'm just so I'm saying we don't we yeah. don't know what type of listeners will come from it yet. Yeah. That could be a big opportunity, you know? Yeah.
2: So not- um there is this one Instagram page called Pickup Music, who you know, I I think started out as really just, like, a music lover's page. And, like, I think within the last few years, it really racked up a lot of followers. And, like, that's the one page where I've seen units move, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we did, like, a whole ticket giveaway thing for a tour that I was working. And, like, they have really avid, loyal followers. It's not mm-hmm. just, like, 300,000 followers of, like, randos. Like, it's very curated so that you know when you post something, you're getting the real engagement of totally. people who want, you know. For sure, for so sure. So it's like that's important to target places like that where you know the people who are following it or paying attention,
1: yeah,
2: are gonna take action to come see you or listen to your music yeah. or be engaged or whatnot.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. It is. It, throughout this conversation, this one example has come to mind a couple of times too, but yeah, it's not always about trying to get the, the one press set that's just going to reach like the masses. I mean, that's nice, but yeah, I think there's a big element to targeting. There's actually this one, um, interesting guy. I mean, I work a lot in like the house techno space. So there's a couple of different like artists, blondish black coffee that will release songs. And there's actually one guy sometimes that will help us, um, he has like a mailing list to other dj's so we'll essentially pay him to send out their releases of their new songs to other dj's so that the other dj's will play it in the clubs it's similar to um geo talking about how he used to go to like different clubs around new york city and That's like DJs. i mean there's even like stories of like migos coming off by coming up by getting all the strip clubs in Atlanta to play their music and seeding Mm -hmm. their music. So I think that's an interesting example. But just going back to your point, I think like targeting. Think about like who either directly or indirectly has access to either direct fans or people that are in the industry that can really help break your artist career and then try and like work backwards as to how you can reach those people. Don't get, um, don't think that you need to like hit a home run and get like a billboard or New York Times or like major press. I think you're like consistent, small targeted press
1: well, because without context, it's like, yeah. all right, cool.
0: Next. Yes. You
1: know yeah, what no, I mean? what, what are you <laughs> going to see that are
2: going to move the units? I mean, there's yeah. so many examples, I feel like, that, I, you know, like, we work with, Shorefire works with this, you know, it's called Rock and Roll Playhouse. And it's, like, kids shows on Sundays, you know, throughout the country. And it's, like, the most meaningful stuff we've gotten is getting, like, Olivia Wilde went to the Brooklyn Bowl one with her husband and kids mm-hmm. and posted on her Instagram about it. And after, people were like, what is this like bowling and music and like where, you know, people like that was one of the most meaningful press hits <laughs> for that, whatever it was, yeah, you know, yeah. just making the who who's watching, who's listening, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of moms follow Olivia Wilde who are like, "Oh my god, I want to take my kids like bowling and, you know, where there's music also playing on like a Sunday right. and I can like drink a beer with my husband and like yeah. watch my kids run under run under like a parachute." You know, it's so <laughs> it, it really is, you know, getting that one hit versus, you know, a listing somewhere that's not going to be seen.
0: Totally. You know? Totally. Right. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. How
1: long has it been? I can't even. Time flies. An hour,
0: two minutes. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't, I don't check. I just talk, (laughs) and then he he does it. (laughs) Well, no, seriously. I think.
0: um, Thank you so much for coming on. I think we've learned tons. I think from kind of tactical ways of positioning your story, all the way to super high level industry like shifts. I think it's uh, personally enjoyed this conversation a lot. And I I get so many questions about PR. So I'm so glad you follow your
1: dreams. (laughs) If there's one thing that you should learn today, <laughs> it's to follow your dreams.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nina. Thank you. Woo. Fire. Yeah. Damn. God damn. So, Jordan, <laughs> let's go with these... Uh, these videos from the archives from your rap career. We ain't going to talk about that. But all I will say,
1: like I said in the episode, is that it helps me in my career right now with these artists and getting into their heads and how they think. And back to the episode, so Nina. Yeah. So
0: I was really excited <laughs> in this episode to speak with Nina about Jordan's past rap career <laughs> and the fact that he's got some archival oh, I, songs yeah. and music videos Archived. on the exactly. internet. Archived, exactly. No, I, exactly. On, live on YouTube. Nope. On oh, nope. Vimeo.
1: Definitely not on Vimeo. I love Vimeo, but okay, that's I, a deep
0: cut. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to we go find these and we're going we to release them. So really enjoyed having Nina on this episode. Really loved the very end of that conversation, especially when we were just talking about some of these thematic trends and the rise of um, some new models for media companies, record labels, how the two can interplay with each other and how that can kind of create leverage to help build an audience and break artists so that to me was really exciting then also just crafting a narrative i think even as somebody like myself that digs so deep on the the digital like the social media side and the content production side even though that might not necessarily mean getting press on different outlets it's just as important to really premeditate what exactly is the story you're trying to tell around yeah, the you, artist you around both are the music.
1: storytellers that's exactly what i was going to say
0: for sure so really enjoyed getting to dive deep into that what did you think man
1: um yeah man I thought it was great. You know I was I interned at a at a PR company right before I joined my current company EQT and just going back to those days how I went about it um it's really helped me in what I do right now. You know it's one of the my my boss right now actually told me I should work at a PR firm before I joined EQT just to show the importance of crafting that story and And being able to do it from a publicist's perspective is so important in anything that you do. So um, I was just glad that we got to talk about her mindset towards that. And we even got to talk about why so many publicists turn into managers because you're getting so close to these artists, you know. So um, like I said before, I'm just really excited for people to hear this one because I've been getting a lot of questions about it. So, um, yeah, I,
0: I dig I digged it for sure. I dug it. I digged it. I digged it. I (laughs) dug it and digged it. That's right. (laughs) Um, Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. We hope you dug it as well. And digged it. (laughs) A little Dougie on it. Um, If you enjoyed it, please leave a review. That really helps us uh, understand what you guys like the most about the show, as well as helps us reach new people. So thank you guys so much for your support. Until next week, we out. Peace.